today on Laura Lynn and Friends. I believe that that's a person whose account we should freeze. And he randomly, based on a belief, based on no reasonable and probable grounds, based on no reasonable suspicion, was arbitrarily making selections for whose accounts should get frozen. And that was very heavily criticized in this report. It is bordering on criminal behavior. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the beginning of the last days. We've had some rough starts lately because uh, I don't know what JT's doing over on his big commando ship thing there that he's got going on. Okay. Uh, what a show we have coming up. We've got Eddie Cornell and Vincent Gersies. And uh, what you guys uh, know about them is that they are Canadian heroes with recently. It is their application. It is their mission that they brought before the federal court that deemed what Trudeau did was unconstitutional, except we don't really have a constitution. So it was unjust is what they said. It was unjust what happened to the Canadian people at the Freedom Convoy 2022. And I guess, you know, with all the mandates and, and everything that they did to us declaring an emergency. So we'll We'll get all of the details on that. You know that I love to start the show by reading from my dad's Bible. And I opened it up today and, uh, you know, he passed away two years ago, actually just before the Freedom Convoy. And it's kind of what enabled me to be able to go. Otherwise, I would not have left my dad is, is an interesting thing. Um, he was very sick and uh, he was old, you know, and I was spending a lot of time being with him and getting him through COVID and rescuing him from the hospital that literally tried to kill him and making sure that he got over COVID in the hospital by doing some things that the doctors didn't know I was doing behind their back. And so dad came home and a short time later, he did pass away. But uh, that enabled me to be able to head out um, on the Freedom Convoy in January of 2022. And so I open up my dad's Bible. He's underlined from the front to the back, and it is a treasure now to me of what he thought was important. He's pretty much underlined the, the, the whole Bible on every page. So uh, I came to Proverbs 3, 27. This is very interesting. He's underlined this. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. When it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Old English. It means if you're able to help people and if you're able to do something good for someone, make sure that you do it. And I don't think our government's been doing that for us at all. Could we quickly play uh, Leighton Gray right now? I just want to give you a very, very fast clip on what he's had to say about Premier Danielle Smith and what she could potentially be doing for the Kutzfor that we have presented to you time and time again. Many Canadians don't know that we have political prisoners. This is what Leighton Gray has to say about what Danielle Smith could do. Take a look. I, I wasn't very pleased with the Premier's answers when she was asked about coots by Tucker. I thought those answers were kind of uh, squishy. Uh, I think, and I've, I've said publicly, I, and I would say to her, I think she needs to do more. She she has the power to release those men. She has the ability to, to well, let's, end that let's, prosecution. So that, that was that's my view. I got to ask then more about that because when sure. we sure coots for yeah the the thing uh, here me being the guy without the degrees and everything else I go you know like she got her hand slapped the last time she yes. started to stick her nose into some legal affairs in the judicial system you say she can do more 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Layton. I get to sit with the premier here in a couple days. <laughs> and I'm going, everybody seems to be talking about the coups for, especially now that the Emergencies Act was ruled or, you know, unjust, mm -hmm. not justifiable, all these different things. Correct. And you go, hmm, interesting. So when you say she can do more, what can the premier do to people who are being held at the remand? Well, what what she what she said when she was asked by Tucker Carlson, she said that her wings had been clipped because of the Archer Pawlowski affair. And she also referenced the fact that the criminal code is federal law. And that, so it's somehow outside of her jurisdiction. And uh, with the greatest respect to her, that simply isn't true. The reality is that criminal code offenses in Alberta and in most of the provinces, to my knowledge, are uh, through an agreement with the federal government, criminal code offenses are prosecuted by the provinces. So here's what I know about the Coots Four. They are in a provincial court. They are being prosecuted by a provincial prosecutor who is in the employ of the Alberta Department of Justice. I won't say his name here to protect his privacy, but I'll say he is the self-same man whom I dealt with when I was dealing with Timothy Stevens and Ty Northcott and many others. Um, so he was a COVID prosecutor and he is in the employee. His boss is Mickey Amory, the Minister of Justice, who is a lawyer, and he works for the premier. So when I say that she has the power to do something, legally, she does have the power to do something. The question is, does she feel like she has the political will, the political leeway to stick her neck out and do the right thing? And what I would say to her, she, she says, well, you know, I got my wings clipped. Uh, I'll get my knuckles wrapped if I if I wade in here. Well, everybody and his dog knows or ought to know that essentially what's happening to the Coots Four uh, is is a, is a political prosecution. Okay, um, I, I wanted to get some of that uh, weigh in from a lawyer on this, and I just want to report some very sad news. We were on uh, live. We've had 10,000 views on Saturday's uh, broadcast that we did with you on one, just 10,000 views on one platform. And uh, basically, we interviewed James Sowry, and he has just now, just now, 41 seconds ago, been sentenced to 10 months in prison. Uh, he was escorted by the sheriff as tears dropped from his eyes and the crowd erupting in disappointment of the decision. Um, so what this guy did, as we saw, is he ran over a pylon with his truck. That's it. And, you know, there's a sense that we are not getting justice in our land. That's the bad news today. But as you heard in this last clip, they are referencing that a federal court has stated that what happened with the Emergencies Act was unjust. Well, who was behind that? Who were the heroes that decided they would challenge this decision by our unjust prime minister and his cohorts? Who were the people behind that? Well, it's these two gentlemen here. Eddie Cornell, he served 22 years in the Canadian Armed Forces in the combat arms as a gunner. And during uh, his time in the military, he served in several places within Canada and Europe, also doing a tour of duty in the Canadian contingent in Cyprus, where he was a recipient of the Medal of Bravery. And so we thank him so much for continuing his good work by fighting for our country now in the courts. Vincent Gersies, I know that you all know him. We've had him on our show before. Uh, he began speaking out publicly and uh, uh, after the Adam Skelly um, 
incident where 200 Toronto police officers shut down his livelihood. If you'll remember that, we reported on that at the time as well. And he has been a voice continuing to echo the concerns of the Charter of Rights violations across Ontario, garnishing arrest warrants, incarcerations, charges um, under the Reopening Act of Ontario, many things that happened to us in this last uh three years, and he's determined to maintain his oath of service to all Canadians as a veteran officer himself by reminding those who still serve that they have taken that same oath to protect the Constitution of Canada and all that that entails. And so we just want to welcome Eddie and Vincent to the show. Um, oh, Vince has a mic issue? Vincent? Vincent? Okay, we'll see. Okay. Hello, gentlemen. Let's see if we can hear you. Hi, Laura Lynn. Hello. Hello. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so in, in light of uh, what we're seeing today, first of all, can I get you to weigh in? I'm extremely sad. This, uh, this young man, James Sowery, he's going to prison for, for 10 days. This literally happened in this last minute and a half. And it's, it just seems so ridiculous. I can barely stand it because the Coots 4 have remained in remand, basically, um, and unjustly held without due process for a trial. So what, what do you both feel? We'll start with you, Vincent. What do you feel in hearing about some of these things happening? So as a former police officer, I have to say, you know, it is premature for me to really weigh in on this and give you my opinion on this, because given the nature of all the things that we have been dealing with over the last two years, that is not an issue that I have been really focusing on in detail. I don't have all the details associated to that. So it would be not appropriate for me to really make judgment on that, given the totality of evidence that could have been provided. Um, but we have been very, very focused on a number of other issues. There are a lot of battles that have been going on, and that is not one that I was involved in. So I'd yes, rather yes, not weigh that in on that. It, it does sound totally fair. I mean, you weren't there. You probably, not not everyone's even heard of James uh, and this issue right now. Eddie, welcome to the show. Um, definitely, we've seen some things in Canada that have seemed really unfair uh, in the court systems. We sure have. Um, you know, the government tends to, you know, operate within uh, the, man, the, the mindset that, you know, persecute people and punish them. And, you know, they've shown over the past couple of years that they really disregard um, the Constitution and uh, the Charter of Rights. They've been, you know, trampling on it for quite some time. And this has to end. It really does. And that leads me to some very good news, actually, because in spite of all of the bad things that we've had happen, we've had, I myself have been convicted on two, uh, two outdoor um, tickets. Uh, you know, for, I don't know, not wearing a mask, standing too close to people, whatever, in Saskatchewan. And, and I, had a, uh, I had a warrant for my arrest for a while, and that was super fun getting across the border with that every time. Um, but in spite of all of that, what we have is some really good news because um, you, both of you decided, and maybe we could start with you, Vincent, telling us the relationship you had with Eddie and how it came about that you guys uh, became involved in a court case to ask a federal court to have a look at the Emergencies Act and to see if it was really the correct thing to have done? Well, during the Freedom Convoy, we were both in Ottawa, apparently from our conversations to uh, do the same thing, to 
have a look at what's going on there to see if we can assist in some way in, in a capacity that uh, maintains the peace and the freedoms of all Canadians in a very peaceful way. And uh, just to really, from the time we got there, it was more logistical issues in the, the amount of um, people that had showed up and the amount of processes that needed to be taken place. It's not just about having fun, it's not about partying, but the logistics of uh, providing food, shelter in the extreme cold climate to ensure that the trucks that were there, and there certainly were many, had fuel, that washroom facilities were being provided and looked after, and that the liaising between those people on the ground and the police services that were there uh, was taking place. So it was quite a busy time, and certainly I saw no violence whatsoever, nothing to give me any cause of concern. And uh, so I was working very closely within two different operational centers with Eddie Cornell at the same time, uh, basically doing the same thing quite often and uh, helping each other out in any way we could. So did that help, Eddie, to bring your relationship together when you decided? How did it come about that you actually said, we've got to challenge this, this Emergencies Act that they put in? How did that happen? Well, you know, as a result of what took place of the way things ended in Ottawa, and people know the result of what took place there, we couldn't let it sit there. We had to take it to the next step. So along with the uh, legal team that we had spoken to, we engaged in uh, bringing this lawsuit forward. And, you know, it was a very involved, very lengthy process. We had great uh, representation. Um, it was a, a, a monumental task to actually uh, get in place and get done. And uh, to the credit of our, all of our legal team and ourselves, we were able to do it and we had success. And it's amazing that you did have success. I don't know how shocked you were when it happened. What was the what was the challenge that you brought to the court? Um, what, how did it how did you write it up in the motion? Vince. So the legal team looked after all of the logistics associated to the motion completely. But I will say the reason that we were involved in this is that both of our bank accounts were frozen. And we are just but a small fraction of the people involved in this that had their bank accounts frozen. But, but we got tied into this uh, somehow. Now, we did not go there with a truck, um, and we certainly were not honking horns. Uh, we were there just to provide logistical support. And I certainly do support everything that the truckers had, had done in Ottawa. So uh, why my bank account is, had been frozen, I still to this day do not have the answer as to why my bank account was frozen. So I can only speculate. And my speculation was that I was an influencer and I was saying something that the government didn't like. And you need to be very aware that when government is wrong, being right is dangerous. And so we were speaking out about the wrongs and what we were talking about was consistently the same thing. The importance of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada to all citizens, the importance of the Bill of Rights and the importance of the International Declaration of Human Rights, all by which our government should be abiding by and was not. And these rights violations continued for a substantial amount of time. And by getting up on the stage and by speaking, uh, there was also one uh, occasion when we had refused continuously to do a press release with mainstream media until we reached the point where 
we suspected it may be a good idea to actually do a press release the day before, actually the day of the invoking of the Emergency Act. It could have even been the day before. I think it might have been the day before, um, where uh, we were so disappointed by the fact that mainstream media was not reporting the truth and was being quite deceitful to the city the citizens of Canada by their reporting of what was actually going on. And, and that, uh, my opinion on that is confirmed by a superintendent in charge of intelligence with the OPP who uh, said the same thing that I had said about my observations. So we, we did a press release and in that press release I had made a comment uh, which aired and it was that I was asking all the citizens of Canada that were available to come to this peaceful protest to support this peaceful protest in such great capacity that the police would not be able to shut it down. And I had every right to make that comment. And I believe that that is what the government used to freeze my bank account. Wow. And Eddie, you as well had your bank account frozen? Yes, I did. And basically to echo what Vince had said, you know, during that press conference, um, you know, I also made a call for veterans to come and uh, I had done that on another occasion as well. And uh, veterans showed up as, in numbers to support um, the peaceful protest. And, uh, you know, we, we hadn't broken any law. Um, we weren't guilty of any offense, yet they found that it was necessary to freeze all of our assets, along with, you know, a total of 280 Canadians who had the same thing done. Wow. Um, I just want to let uh, JT know that we'll take Sean Taylor after this. He's at the courtroom and we could get the lowdown on James Sowery. So if we could send him a link. Um, so w tell me something. This was pretty epic. Did you work with the frontline nurses as well? Is that what happened um, in, in order to put this court case in, in front of the, uh, the, the court, the federal court? Vince, I guess. Okay, so no, we weren't working, uh, we personally, that is Edward and I, were not working with any other group, but our legal teams certainly were. Um, and at the time of our submission, I, I personally was not aware that other submissions were being made. And uh, I had just found when the final submission was, when the final release of the uh, justice decision was made, that I realized that it was only Edward Cornell and myself that were deemed to have status in this case. So that was very uh, interesting to find out. So uh, when the other, actually I should say standing, not status. So when it was deemed that uh, Kristen Nagel's team and uh, uh, her standing was not considered to be relevant and the other applicants uh, standing was deemed to not be relevant, to find out that this was a, um, like a, a, a bowling game where the pins were dropping and the last two standing pins were Ed and myself. Uh, I'm very shocked and surprised by that, but that's, that's the way it went. So on the basis of the fact that the justice had agreed that what had been done to me and what had been done to Edward is something that was very relevant and needed to be addressed. And he certainly did address that. that. And, and let's, uh, you know, your audience needs to understand that that decision that had come out is relative to the invoking of the Emergency Measures Act over the time frame that it was invoked. This, this isn't a government decision based on what happened over the last four years or other harms that have done by Canadian. And quite frankly, 
that number of harms has been done to Canadians is astronomical in comparison. But uh, certainly a lot of harms from the invoking of the Emergency Measures Act, and we are going to proceed to Act 2. That was only Act 1. And we, we were in this game. Look, I have 34, 32 previous years of law enforcement. I have been in dangerous situations just about every day of my career. And with Ed being in the military, he likewise has been in very dangerous situations. And we are not cowards, and we have not been, um, we have not run from this fight, and we have no intention of running from this fight. And so as things move on, we're going to need the support and help of Canadians to keep this going. Okay, and can you tell me um, one of the things that, uh, are you able to put that share up, one of the things that uh, the Honorable Brian Peckford has said, um, Judge, Judge Mosley of the federal court striking down the constitutionality of the Emergencies Act uses the exact ad excerpts, he says, from the charter that he's been using in his public speeches. Basically, the Constitution Act 1982, Schedule B to the Canada Act uh, 1982, UK and whatever, Canadian Charts, uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, it says, whereas Canada is founded under the principles that recognize the supremacy of God, and I sure do hope that we'll start recognizing the supremacy of God in Canada again, and the rule of law, uh, we have guaranteed rights. Number one, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees that the rights and freedoms set out in, uh, in it, subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Fundamental freedoms. Everyone has the following fundamental freedoms. Freedom of thought, opinion, expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication, which we have been banned and shadow banned um, ad nauseum. We're not getting freedom in this country. Uh, and, and, the, and the media that we do have does not report the truth. Freedom of peaceful assembly, freedom of association. Legal rights, life, liberty, and the security of person. Everyone has the right of liberty, security of the person, and the right not to do, be deprived thereof except in accordance with the principles of uh, fundamental justice. Uh, search and seizure. Everyone has the right to be secure against unreasonable search and seizure. And primacy of Constitution of Canada. The Constitution of Canada is the supreme law of Canada, and any law that is inconsistent with the provisions of the Constitution is to the extent of the inconsistency of no force or effect. Eddie, did you feel that the, um, the rights and freedoms that we've had have been, the, these basic ones are the ones that literally have not been adhered to or um, respected by our Prime Minister? Yeah, I'd agree totally with that statement. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the government doesn't pay attention to the fine details in uh, how the Constitution works. And they find and they go way out to find ways to exploit uh, that charter and the uh, fundamental freedoms that Canadians um, are entitled to. So, you know, with this with this ruling, it's monumental. And Canadians need to uh, realize that standing up and speaking out and um, holding people accountable who violate those is very, very important because the more we let them violate those uh, charter rights, the more they'll do it. So standing up for your freedom in a peaceful manner is something that every Canadian should be doing. So 
Tell me, gentlemen, when you heard this uh, federal court ruling come out, well, Vince, I'll start with you. What was your thought? Were you expecting to have a win in this? I, I play it safe where I just prefer not to have an expectation at all and, and see where the cards fall. Because uh, I, I think I know where your question is going to be going, but I, I will say that um, I felt really that there was no, no alternative but to have this ruling. Because the alternative is that what the government did is fine. And if it is fine, then it's just going to continue doing it every day. The RCMP will just call your anybody's bank and say, hey, um, freeze that person's account. And your account will be frozen. And that's the way it's going to be. It's simple, really simple. It's very easy for the police to just do that. And those aren't the rules that we have ever played by. So we're either going to play by those new rules or we're not. And that's the decision is going to determine that. And I could not imagine Canadians tolerating that type of behavior from police authorities. So I guess I was right. You know, they're not going to tolerate it. And, the, and Judge Mosley felt that way as well. And, and it's absolutely incredible that he did. Eddie, what was, where were you and what was your thought the moment that you heard the, uh, the court ruling? Well, to be truthful, I was in my garage working on some equipment and I got the email and uh, I just about fell over. I was so excited and so happy. I, I did a happy dance all by myself. I'm glad nobody was able to see me do it. And I, I was numb. I couldn't believe that we did it. And, you know, just the, the, the feeling of finally the court made the right decision. And it gave me, and I know I can speak for Vince, and every other Canadian that has uh, gone through this, hope. And that's, that's what gives us all the, you know, the strength to keep going. And this was probably the biggest um, decision in Canada that would give everyone who suffered during that time hope. Hope that we're going to restore things to what it should be. Right. And and um, one of the things that the judge said, which some people have been making allusion to, is that um, he do you feel that he left it open to be challenged? Christia Freeland came out right away and she said, oh, well, you know, we're going to appeal this. Uh, but uh, I didn't think the judge was unfair. He said that maybe in their position for what they knew at that time, he might have made the same decision. How did you interpret that, what the judge said, Vincent? That's a great question. You know, when I first saw the decision, um, I, I noticed it was a 200, roughly 200 page decision. And I thought, oh boy, here we go with the legalese, you know, with lawyers and they've got to, in order to give you a one sentence answer, they got to write it up in 200 pages. So I very quickly perused it, you know, work your way way down to the end because I understand how to read legal documents. I worked my way to the end and I said, just give me the bottom line. So I read it and it was like, wow, that bottom line is quite intensive. I mean, this isn't just a, it was illegal. This is this is very, very scathing against what, what had happened. So this is quite, quite important. 
and then I realized that, hey, if I'm going to be talking about this, I think I got to read the whole decision. So I'm going to read it. And as I started reading it, what struck me was on the thoroughness of every single aspect, I was incredibly impressed with the incredible detail and thoroughness. Uh, and I realized as I'm focusing on the terminology and everything that was said is that I suspect this, this justice obviously knows more about the legal system than I do by far, that um, there would probably be a challenge to this. And as I read the detail, I thought, this is bulletproof. This is absolutely amazing in, in, in how every single component of what he's saying is very methodically explained in detail. And it was. I, I believe it to be bulletproof. And I've had other counsel that I highly respect review this and also tell me it was a magnificent ruling in terms of detail. Um, you know, so for people that are on the other side of this argument, I, and I, I don't want to speak to the choir. So for anybody that's um, that's thinking that I'm biased, and, and uh, I probably wouldn't say that I'm, I'm not, uh, but certainly I, I just ask people to read the details of this ruling and understand how this was not a ruling for me. This was not a ruling for Edward. This is a ruling for all Canadians and the future of our judicial system. And when you read it, uh, in, in uh, addition to the remarks that he had made about his initial opinion, what he's basically saying there is that, yeah, I probably would have done what the government did, but now that I have seen all this information in the totality, now I realize um, that, um, that they were wrong because he wasn't uh, privy sitting in front of the CBC watching television. He wasn't privy to all this information. So he had formed an opinion just like all the other people in this country had formed an opinion based on lies and deceit. Wow. I, I agree. So um, actually that final page there, JT, you were just at the conclusion. Uh, I'm glad that you feel, Eddie, is that how you felt? Did you feel, um, is, is there one more page to that conclusion? Oh, there's 67 more pages in the conclusion. All right. Um, did you feel that way as well, Eddie, that, that this is pretty ironclad and that it's been put in um, and uh, this will not have a good chance at being appealed? You know, that document in depth and, you know, not having a legal background in that regard, um, I do understand what they what the judge was saying. And I from my own opinion, I really feel that the government uh, doesn't really have any wiggle room with this decision. I think it's like Vince had said, um, pretty much an ironclad document. Of course, the government's going to say that they are going to uh, file um, for an appeal in the federal court. I, I understand that. But I, I don't think they're going to have uh, success. I, I hope they don't. Uh, judging by what Judge Mosley had written, I think it was so eloquently put. Um, and, you know, to share the honesty that he would have made the decision the other way without before he'd examined the evidence. But once looking at the evidence and understanding everything about it, he made this conclusion. I, I think they're going to have a very difficult time to uh, try to overturn this. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, judging um, from 
what people are telling me that have read the same document, uh, they feel the same way. I haven't really seen anybody in the legal field that has come out and said, oh, well, you know, this is just a, uh, you know, uh, a decision and that'll be overturned and uh, we'll, uh, we'll win this one. I, I just haven't seen it. And that's really encouraging because that's what we all need. Um, we need to make sure the government is never able to do this again. And uh, just, I mean, not to digress, but think of what it's like when they freeze all of your assets for all the Canadians that had it done. You had no means of appeal. You didn't know when they were going to lift it. You had no means to sustain life. You had no means to uh, buy medication for your family or your ch children. You couldn't buy fuel. You couldn't have lodging. You, you were effectively, um, you know, basically sidelined from the world. And um, that's no small, small uh, event to happen to somebody. And, you know, some people still have their accounts frozen to this day. Very traumatizing and also made Canada a laughing stock in front of the world. In fact, that's what they mock. Uh, the UFC fighters recently, um, you've all, we've all seen the clips of them basically, oh, I've come to Canada. Oh, yeah, I'm on a short leash, I guess, and I'm not allowed to say this. What are you going to do, freeze my bank account? Like, you know, like we've become like we're like North Korea or something. It's so embarrassing. I find our prime minister and our government so embarrassing that they've taken a beautiful country that was the, the pinnacle of one of the best places in the world, the most free, the most wonderful to live, and they've made it a living, breathing nightmare. And I think that many Canadians still traumatize. And one of the things about this ruling is it begins to bring some healing. Like potentially this judge, thank God this judge, had he had the smarts and, and he had the wherewithal to actually act justly for our Canadian constituents. And, and that means a lot because a lot of these judges, like this, this, you know, this thing that's happening today, the coots for all of the, um, you know, the things that uh, the, the, the tickets that people have had to pay out, you know, for the last uh, couple of years, these have been a real stain on our country. And Vince, I'd like to ask, like, what was the cost of doing this? Like, are you guys out the money now? Well, the cost uh, was supported in a huge way, huge way. And, and kudos to the Justice Center for Constitutional for Freedoms for um, providing funds to our legal team to do this. You know, Fantastic. I, I, I can't I can't thank them enough. And, you know, back to the point of uh, Justice Mosley. There is something in this report that nobody understands, and I need to explain this because you're not going to read it. It's not in the appendix and it's not in the table of contents. This report had to be released within six months from um, when it was heard back in April, and it was not. It was late. And three additional months have gone by, and I suspected that if this report isn't released till the middle of February, we have no ability to file a suit because the suits need to be filed within two years of the date of the offensive. So Justice Mosley, not only was he incredibly articulate, he could have sat on that for another month and nobody would have criticized him for it. But he made sure that that report came out 
and we had enough time to do what we need to do to proceed further. And that's what nobody's talking about, and that makes him my biggest hero. Well, he's all of our hero, and, and we just say thank you to Justice Mosley for being somebody who's, who stood up for the people and give, given us something that we have not had in a very long time and has caused people to really lose hope. And the thing is, is if he saw all of the evidence that was presented, can you give me, Eddie, some examples of what he looked at that may have convinced him that he needed to deem that this was not the right thing to have done under the circumstances that Prime Minister invoked the Emergencies Act. What are some of the things that the judge saw? Well, you know, there was no judicial um, oversight. You know, people had no way of appealing um, why their bank accounts were frozen. They, they went around getting court orders to do that. People like myself and all the other Canadians that hadn't broken the law, hadn't been convicted of a crime just because they, for whatever reason, deemed us to be someone that they needed to freeze the assets. And, you know, I, I think he realized, and what I observed actually during the trial is he didn't seem, you know, his words, it, what he was, when being, you know, he, he was saying that, well, it was only for X number of days that people had their bank accounts frozen, you know, so it's not, he didn't really think it was a, a big, uh, you know, a big deal. And then when the, the legal team explained that, you know, they wanted people to leave the city and, but they froze their bank accounts. So they weren't able to buy gas or fuel to travel home. They couldn't buy food. They couldn't buy medicine. Um, you know, all of those things into account. I saw a change in his demeanor in that courtroom where he realized I, I could see it on his face. This is just my observation that, you know, something I didn't look at it that way. And, uh, you know, we had no way of knowing when those accounts, if at all, would be restored. There was no time limit. There was there was nothing. It was just shut down with without any oversight. And it was strictly done as a vindictive measure by the government. And um, I think he recognized that. Wow. Well, um, what about you, Vincent? Uh, is there anything you could add to what Eddie just said of, you know, some of the evidence that was presented before this judge? Yeah, I'd like to make a few comments on that. And I'd like to address Superintendent Baudouin from the RCMP. Here's an individual who was overseeing the freezing of Canadians' bank accounts. The freezing of Canadian bank accounts would leave people stranded without the ability to eat, pay for lodging, put fuel in their vehicle, and essentially run them dry and cold and leave them destitute, which is what happened to me. And the superintendent of the OPP makes a lot of money and he has a fairly substantial rank. And you don't have to be a superintendent to know, your basic introductory constable knows that in order to lay charges, you need reasonable and probable grounds to do that. In order to initiate an investigation, you need reasonable suspicion. But in this case, the justice made it clear that from the evidence presented, he had to neither, and what he did, it was all he felt he needed to do 
was just have belief. I believe that that's a person whose account we should freeze. And he randomly, based on a belief, based on no reasonable and probable grounds, based on no reasonable suspicion, was arbitrarily making selections for whose accounts should get frozen. And that was very heavily criticized in this report. It is bordering on criminal behavior. In, in how, I would, I would say it could, based on the circumstances, border on criminal negligence, that you are shutting down somebody's right to access goods and services in harsh, cold weather, including the other people who are sharing that same account and what they are trying to do without checking with them, talking to them, having conversation with them, interacting with them. You're just randomly making a decision that, yeah, we'll shut that one down. And then we'll shut that one down as well. And then we'll make a whole list and we'll shut them down. And there's, uh, there's really blood on the hands of the banks as well, because this was done without lawful authority. And the biggest complaint to that was that when something like this is going to happen, when you're seizing somebody's assets, you have to go to an independent agency to deal with this. You have to have independence on this. And they didn't. Uh, the Emergency Act clearly states right in it that it's pursuant to the Canadian Charter of Rights, but yet they didn't follow legal process. You know, if you're a terrorist or through uh, crimes, uh, uh, goods obtained by the proceeds of crime, there's a process in place and you have to go through the courts. They could have gone through the courts. They had time to go through the courts. They could have asked a justice to review all the grounds that they had stated and why my account would need to get frozen but they didn't have it because there weren't any. So they just thought, he's an influencer. We don't like what he's saying. He's asking people to come to Ottawa, which is my charter right to speak and to say those things. And people coming to Ottawa, it's their right to do that. This is a problem. And this is going to have to be accountable. There's gonna to have to be accountability in order for us to set this right. I like what you were saying, uh, Vince, about the banks. Um, some people basically saying that maybe action can now be taken against banks. Like somebody needs to be made an example of um, sue the banks for, for, for participating in this harm against Canadians. Well, I think Eddie, Eddie Cornell is going to tell you about the next step. Excellent, Eddie. I just... I guess, you know, I, I, it's early days, but I want Canadians to know that this action is not over. Uh, we are starting an organization called the Accountability Project, and we are currently in talks with our legal team to pursue uh, legal action on the offenders. Wow. Now, because I had a little birdie tell me that maybe there was something more that was coming out of this. Is this kind of a just a little bit of a snippet of what you have coming that this isn't the end? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's correct. Certainly, um, this will be open to all Canadians that were affected by this. Now, keep in mind, there is some discussion that is taking place on social media that... Um, um, information is being provided relative to the fact that there is a timeline associated to this. Yes, there is. There is a timeline associated to it and the clock is ticking. 
However, we are in legal proceedings now with our legal team that is working on suing the government and everybody that you can imagine that is involved in this that would have been guilty of something, they are going to be considered by this legal team and the legal team will make a decision on how far to take this. I suspect, this is my suspicion, that this will be a monumental, epic suit that is going to take place. And I want Canadians to know that when we uh, provide more information about what is taking place, that they will have the opportunity to join us if they have been affected by this. So do not make any rash, harsh, quick, sudden decisions based on, I've only got two weeks, uh, you know, I better do something. Take your time. You don't need to hurry. And we will be providing details very shortly. That's fantastic. Um, Eddie, uh, this must feel really good for you in that, um, in that there's some justice at the end of this. And per perhaps, you know, a lot of joy can be brought to Canadians through what you guys have done. We're not done yet. Um, we're going to be, you know, putting out information for Canadians affected uh, to join us. And um, there'll be plenty more announcements very soon of what we're about to do. Yay. Okay, well, we're, we are so excited about that. And we just want to say thank you to both of you for what you've done, um, for being incredible patriots. Um, Vince, I'll give you a final word, anything that you'd like to cover. Um, I, I would like to tell everyone, some people saying, where can they read the entire, um, the entire judgment by the judge? Do, do you all have a link for that? We do, and we can provide you with that so that you can post it uh, okay. to your viewers. So my final comments are going to be, um, I am very excited about where the accountability project is going to go. I want people to understand that this is something that over time is going to evolve into something much bigger. It is a nonpartisan system. It is nonpolitical but it is there and being set up to bring back the, the so overdue accountability that re, we require in all facets of governance and regulatory agencies. We want this to grow and grow big and bring back accountability. This is just the beginning, but it is dependent upon the involvement of all Canadians. This is not something that can be done by two individuals who have the courage to stand against the government. This needs many Canadians to stand with us to offer their time, services, involvement, and finances. It's going to take money to push back and push back hard. But if we don't do this, if we are not successful in this endeavor, it will come down to the fact that not enough Canadians care to do it. We need to wake up everyone. And uh, just so you know, we've got a really large audience, almost a thousand people watching us live right now on our platforms. And we have a lot of love coming out to all of you. And we want you to know that we're so very grateful. Thank you for standing. Um, Vince, I'll just say, I remember um, when, uh, when we were in Ottawa and you were there, it was just such a, 
a real comforting thing to go into these media rooms and you were there with some of the truckers and you guys were standing. That was, to me, the, the greatest move of God I've seen in Canada with all of those people that descended in Ottawa to make a stand. Do you feel, my final question to you, and I, sorry, I was going to let you go, but my final question to you is, do you feel that that, that there was a great success that came out of Freedom Convoy 2022? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was long overdue. I don't know where things are going to go from here. It seems like the chess pieces are moving very quickly. But I am very excited that the pendulum is swinging, the conversation is changing, the culture is shifting, and uh, people are waking up. It's all about getting the information out there and what you're doing with your show and educating your viewers is what is most important. Well, we sure love you. And Eddie, I'll just ask you uh, your, your memories of Freedom Convoy. It's literally two years. It's kind of interesting that this judgment has come down pretty much two years to the time that we were in, that we were in Ottawa. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, the convoy, I think, set the standard for the world. Um, you know, we, we had a, a, a time in history where we were exposing them for what they were. The world saw, the world knows, and everyone remained peaceful. It was the best, um, I guess, result of people standing up for injustices that this country's ever seen. And now to have this vindication is a terrific win for all of us in Canada. And I just want Canadians to know that stand by, we need you. We need you to come to our aid again. We're going to get this done. We're going to hold them accountable. And rest assured, we won't stop until we have the victories that uh, give us back what we lost. Fantastic. Somebody's asking if they can support you guys uh, or your project, keep an eye on it. Um, is, is it the same as 10 million charge or one, 1 million charge? Um, or the accountability project. Is that two separate things people are asking? Not related in any way. Not related, yes. Yeah. So I, 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 I think she's, I think she's, yeah, I think you're re referring to a, possibly a telegram group uh, that has the one million. One million. Uh, or sorry, the, account, the account, accountability project. But uh, no, it's not the same thing. Okay, what, yeah. what, were, what, what should people follow whatever you're doing on? They can see us um, so on our the, Twitter accounts. Oh, sorry. They can follow yeah, us on the, Twitter. The, the website coming and we can make an announcements. Yeah, TACCAN, TACCAN, uh, .org will be yeah. the website. That's yeah, T -A -P. the accountability. Yeah, TAPCAN, tap the Accountability Project Canada. That's dot .org. Yeah, so okay. it's T-A-P-C-A-N dot org. Okay, taptan.org. Okay, we're going to put that in the description. Description. We'll be following you. We thank you. We love you. So much love uh, going out for you in the, the feeds right now. Everybody is so grateful. Thank you for standing for Canada. We're not done either. We're with you. We'll do whatever you need done, guys. And thank you for leading the charge once again. We really appreciate it. We're so grateful, more than you could ever know. Thanks for taking time with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Laura Lynn. Thank you.
Absolutely amazing. Um, I love these guys. These are heroes in our land and they're doing something, not just complaining, they're doing something. We're always looking for those people who are doing something. Sean Taylor is actually at the courthouse. Sean, if you're there, we'll just bring him in. And Sean, um, uh, thank you so much. If uh, Can we hear you, Sean? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, beautiful. Sean, Sean, thank you for, for talking to us about James. I'm pretty shocked. We were hoping that he might get house arrest or something like that, but um, it's not the case. You know, it's been, uh, it's been disappointing. Uh, we were hoping here for, I think, I think it's a missed opportunity, right? Um, what looks like a, a poor jury decision and incompetence counsel in the previous part of this trial, um, the judge had an opportunity to kind of calm the waters uh, until we get the appeal and get a proper decision. And he chose to uh, take a hard line. And I don't really understand why. Uh, it came as a bit of shock to the people in the courtroom. Um, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing for especially for James and his family, right? Like, I just met James. I, I came down as we talked earlier. I came down to talk at the at the Coots rally down here, and uh, I met James and and heard his story and thought I'd stick around and see how this turned out. And it's been it's been disappointing. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, read out what uh, Mocha has been covering this, and he's uh, sort of. Uh, you know, an independent journalist type there. And he says, James Sowery, he's been sentenced to 10 months in prison. He was escorted by the sheriff as tears dropped from his eyes and the crowd erupting in a disappointment of the decision. With you being in there, is that an accurate description? This was, uh, this was very sad for everybody to see this. It's my understanding from speaking to James that largely his truck, uh, you know, did run over a pylon and he misunderstood potentially, uh, he had misunderstood, and this is him him here, everybody, but he had misunderstood um, something, a police officer kind of motioning him sort of like this, and he thought he was to go, and there was some miscommunication, but this was not a guy who needed to go to jail for 10 months. This whole thing from beginning to end has been so ridiculous, like so many things that we've seen, right? And it's um, to watch the crown double, triple, quadruple down on these falsehoods and misrepresentations of what happened. It's, it's quite disappointing. Um, what, what do you say at this point? You know, like um, during, during the proceedings, you know, uh, uh, lead counsel said that the crown has to proceed very carefully here. And I agree with that statement and the reckless way in which they're um, persecuting people that are questioning what's going on in our country. Like the, the, criminal, the criminality that the Crown has been engaged in over the last three years, one has to question like, what are they thinking? How long do they think that they can conduct themselves in this fashion? I, it's, it's baffling to me. And you know, I just, my heart goes out to James and his family. Um, I just met this guy and he seems like a, yeah, he seems like a really good guy. And when you listen to the story of what's what's transpired here, the fact that we're still going on and the lack of coverage, like you mentioned Mocha earlier, he was the only member of the press here. Like we have political prisoners in our nation. The, the Coots boys, uh, 715 days today, no trial. No, they're not even jailed, they're in remand, 
right? And there's another there's another bunch that are coming onto the chopping block here in March of other guys that have been charged, right? For you know, standing up and, and, and sharing their voice against the criminality that our government has been engaged in. It's it's absolutely incredible. This is never in a million years would I have thought that this would be happening in Canada, right? Um, there's a lot of us that swore oaths to this country. And at some point, people are gonna start taking those things seriously. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be the people that are still employed by the government. Um, you know, watching the RCMP again and again and again demonstrate the, the liars and cowards that they have in their ranks. Um, it's just, it's super disappointing. And, uh, you know, like we're not, we're not going anywhere. We're not shutting up and we're not going to let them get away with this. 100% Sean. And, you know, the good news is in spite of this uh, bad news that we've just seen here today, uh, everyone, first of all, let's pray for James. Let's support him during this bad time. I don't know if there's any chance for appeal, but we just had uh, Vincent Gersey and Eddie uh, on who who basically were behind uh, the court case where the federal court deemed that what the prime minister had done with the Emergencies Act had gone against our constitution and was, was inappropriate. And so this is a huge win on that side, but it does seem, you know, that uh, that, that win is not really informing what's going on there. Do you think that James can appeal? Yeah, and James will appeal, right? He hasn't admitted guilt. Um, like I said, he, he's had, he's not a criminal, right? Like this is his first interaction with the justice system or injustice system, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he just, he looked for a lawyer in the, in the, in the yellow pages. And it sounds like uh, he didn't receive good counsel at the beginning of this. And that's what has la landed him at this point, right? And this lawfare that's being waged against any uh, Canadians that are speaking out against what's going on in our in our institutions um, is just completely inappropriate. And I don't know how long they can continue to do this. Um, like I said, this is disappointing because we have seen some benches in our nation actually stand up and say, you know what, this is a this is a this is a step too far, right? This is illegal behavior. Um, the government is engaging in criminal behavior, and they can't behave like this um, today in Lethbridge. Uh, yeah, the bench here did not take that stand. So um, while we are seeing hopeful um, decisions being made in certain areas of the country, it's not happening at all. So um, we got a long road ahead of us, right? We all know this. And, uh, you know, talking with James, his resolve is infinite. He's seen what so many of us have seen, right? And it doesn't matter what you call us, what you do to us. We're not the truth right that's once you see it you can't unsee it and uh our level of discomfort comes secondary to the truth so we're going to keep speaking it james isn't going anywhere right um you know we we rely on people like you people like mark friesen odessa um to get the word out because the media isn't here you know that mocha kid that you mentioned he was the only press that was here Right. We're and for with... the Coots 4, the same thing. Uh, they would have, you know, two lines set up for media to come and cover a very important Canadian story and nobody showed up. You know, sometimes Rebel, I don't know. But but basically, uh, you know, thank God now he's right there and I appreciate that. But we really yeah. have to have coverage 
all the time. And thank you for being here to let us know about what's going on. Yeah. Where do I pick up my check? I've been your Alberta <laughs> correspondent now. For we can't afford <laughs> you. <laughs> I'll send you something, Sean. I'll send you something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, one, one final question would be, um, how many people do you think are aware of this today? Like, uh, how many people in the courtroom other than no media um, are Canadians in the area of Alberta aware of what's happening? And Danielle Smith, can she have some intervention well, as well? Uh, it holds about 80 people. But when injustice like this is going on, right, it's, um, yeah, there should be a lot of people here. Uh, I just found out about James when I came out to speak uh, at the rally in, in Lethbridge. I'd never heard of him. And, you know, I'd heard about the Coots four, but, you know, in the process of me going through my own legal battles, you know, and dealing with the people in, in BC, because there's no widespread coverage of this, we've been siloed and no one knows, right? Like I know the group in BC that are getting hammered, you know, the people out here, know they know the people in Alberta that are getting hammered, same in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario. Because there's no widespread coverage, the people of Canada don't know what's going on. And, that's how this whole thing works. This only works in the dark. If we shine a light on this, I think that the people of Canada have big enough hearts that they're going to put an end to this. And, you know, after this was all said and done, I posed that question to, to Crown Council. With the criminality that we've seen the Canadian government be engaged in in the last three years, at what point, like, how long do you think will allow, allow this to continue? Yeah, very good he question. Yeah, very good question, uh, Sean. Now, you felt that his earlier um, counsel may not have done him any favors. Uh, we're finding this for the Coots 4 as well, that there's just, like, lawyers are either cowards, they're, they're too afraid. This is so p politically incorrect to uh, defend these men that it's hard to get good counsel. Who was his counsel today, and, and did they do a good job? Um, I don't, do you know her name? I, I don't know. I don't know her name. She, yeah, she seemed to be doing an okay job. It, this was just Nicole Stewart, Nicole Stewart as, okay. as his counsel now. And I don't know when she came into the scene, but yeah, I, I've been told she's a vast improvement and, you know, coming in last minute to try to, to pull this together, she's got to deal with all the stuff that was done before her. Right. And yeah, this is, this is common. We're seeing this with the, with the cases of nurses and doctors against the college too, where they get counsel that just completely, uh, yeah, fail them. And this lawfare, you know, I, I feel for James cause I'm in the same boat, right? We have these massive legal fees. They've, they've destroyed our livelihoods. Um, and that's that fear and intimidation keeps other people from speaking up but hopefully and, and we get Sean, to the point for those that yep. don't know you uh you were in the uh, armed forces and also you were a nurse and you lost your job because you didn't want someone else to tell you what to do with your body actually <laughs> i was fired a month before the mandates because i was speaking about out about the vaccine injuries that we were seeing in the hospitals right um Probably on out my of the show. Hey, yeah, my coworkers aren't racist. And, you know, anytime you go counter the narrative that the government is trying to push th that that moment um, turns you into a nail and they come after you with a hammer, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, 
as long as there's so few nails and they have enough hammers to take care of business, they will continue to do so. But I think as this progresses and people come to realize the situation that we're in, more people are going to speak out. And at that point, they won't be able to stop this. Okay, well, uh, Sean, we just thank you for being a hero in our country, standing up, speaking out. You were telling the truth when uh, when it wasn't popular, and you're still doing that, and you haven't given up the fight, and you're one of the true uh, Canadian heroes. And thank you for giving us the update on James. Everybody, we're going to pray for James. We're going to pray that there's justice, that uh, his legal fees... Um, you know, will be covered so that he gets, and I know there is a gifts and go to help uh, James. Um, I hope that yep. he is able to appeal and that that's an option and that justice will be done for him in light of, of everything. This is just so horrible. Thanks so much for spending time with us, Sean. God bless. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank Love you. Love you, Lauralyn. Love you too, Kayleen. <laughs> I know that's Kayleen in the background there. And uh, awesome, awesome. Sean is just a wonderful man. Kayleen's wonderful. These are uh, people that have invested their time and livelihood into supporting the people that are under a lot of fire. Um, we have a clip from Tedros that I, I just think is just, you know, just so fitting. I mean, these people are, are pretty much, uh, I, I just don't know how we define the crazy for the folks at the top of the, the food chain um, who think that making food is a problem. Take a listen to Tedros here. Our food systems are harming the health of people and planet. Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions Does it look like and account for laugh? almost one third of the global burden of disease. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting towards healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. If food systems delivered healthy diets for all, we could save 8 million lives per year. WHO is committed to supporting countries to develop and implement policies to improve diets and fight climate change. I'm therefore very pleased that over 130 countries have signed the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health. Together, we can protect and promote the health of both people and planet. Mm. I thank you. <laughs> okay, I asked JT if he could play it again because when I look at this guy, I'm thinking, is this a parody? Is this a parody of Tedros? Like, look at him. Doesn't it look like it? Can you put him large and still hear me? Are you able to? Yeah. Look at his face. Doesn't it look like he just, <laughs> he's trying to hold in a laugh, you know, <laughs> like he doesn't believe himself either. He thinks he's full of nonsense as well. And, and he's just sitting there like holding in his laughter. You know, it's, it's like a Carol Burnett show when uh, they start losing it because they're laughing at their own skit. This is the impression I get of people like that. <clears throat> Drives me absolutely insane. Before I let you go today, you know, so uh, I was looking at some things that um, I, I don't I don't think you can see, but okay, some things from this last couple of years, I opened up an old box, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, opened up an old box, and these were some mementos of the 2020 uh, 
crisis in our world. A face mask medical exemption card. I have a medical condition that prevents me from wearing a mask or face covering. Basically, I need to breathe. That's why I need a medical exemption card. I mean, I actually got a medical exemption because, uh, you know, I had asthma and I had a nice doctor that was willing to give me one. Another one, we had exemptions uh, to the mandatory, mandatory mask order in British Columbia. I had this little... Uh, you know, thing that, uh, so, you know, a whole bunch of us got these and we would wear them into, oh yeah, wear them into places, you know, so that we could kind of, and it has, you know, some basic, some of our rights and freedoms that, uh, the, the kind that this wonderful, you know, Judge Mosley has, uh, deemed that they kind of went against. And so I very, very much appreciate that uh, that that was done. So thank you very, very much um, to everyone who participated today and can help us to remember what happened. The Freedom Convoy was literally two years ago. It was going on. In the next couple of days, maybe I'm going to try to pull up uh, some, some things that took place there because we remember when the ugly suits came in, the truckers had literally gone when Trudeau thought it was a really good idea to um, to strong arm, peaceful residents, peaceful Canadian citizens who were there to peacefully protest. Truckers were gone, okay? When they came in with their ugliness, truckers were gone. It, it's just really, you know, well, and parts of it, they were there for when they were there, but then the truckers, like, they didn't want anyone to be hurt. God bless them. They didn't want any Canadian citizens hurt, and they said, we're going to leave because they're sending in bazookas after a peaceful protest, leaving the streets cleaner than they've ever been downtown Ottawa, not harming people. Um, all of it was an epic stand against the tyrannical government, and there was absolutely no reason. It was unjustified what they did in bringing in the Emergencies Act. And so we thank God that no one died there that we know of, um, and, you know, and we survived it. So I hope that we're one of those independent journalists that you're, um, you're putting your trust and hope in that we're, when there's a story happening that Canadians need to know about, we're the ones we're going to be there for you. And we appreciate that you show up every day. Our website is laurelin.tv. And on that website, if you ever can't find me on one of the regular channels that you're used to seeing us at any time, we don't know when we're offending uh, the, the great ones, you know, because of something that we're saying or doing that is perfectly logical and common sense. Because this whole thing, we've been on the side of logics and common sense. We've been on the side of freedom. We've been on the side of our constitutional rights and freedoms here in Canada. And it looks like we're beginning to be shown right. And yet, we still have problems with being shadow banned, taken down at any given time. Nobody supports this show. Uh, you know, we don't have any big organizations behind us. We don't have any big funds and certainly not a government grant to do this show. We do this because we love you, because we love Canada, and we invest in bringing you the stories. So we ask you to please 
um, think about uh, on your list of people that you'd like to support and, and have charitable givings with your very valuable funds. Remember when you give here that you do get an income tax receipt. So that is, you know, a value to you or your business. If, um, you know, if you don't like to pay as many taxes, we can actually offer you that. And that's because our mission is to bring is to bring the news in the lens of a Christian perspective. And that's why we begin and open our shows by reading from the valuable, awesome Word of God. If you'd like to send an e-transfer and not just push on that little donate button on my website, because that will take you to a place where you can become a monthly subscriber, a one-time donor. You can be an anonymous donor. And we thank you to the anonymous uh, donors. We don't have any other way of thanking you except to say uh, say it on the air. Um, but... We just appreciate that you'll think about making us a go-to place to keep supporting. We appreciate it more than you could ever know. We're trying to figure out how we can really rely on some resources in order to get onto Daystar for a half-hour show every day. Imagine this kind of content on Daystar with the news presented from a godly perspective, things that all Canadians need to know, um, put onto actual television, Daystar Canada so we're in the process of raising funds for that. And if you think that that's something that you'd like to contribute to or help us to get there, please do. If you want to e-transfer, it's Live at protonmail.com. And besides that, we also have snail mail. If you'd like to send us a letter, um, a little envelope, that would be wonderful too. And that's box 48184, New Westminster V3M0A7. Thank you so much. We also, uh, we spoke to, um, on the weekend, um, Archer Pavlosky had some very strong words of some people that he's in contact with, and he's actually been in contact with people, um, high-level people, politicians from Washington, D.C., and there's, a, there's a, a very, you know, a disturbing outlook that our monetary system is just not sustainable with what they've done to us. And so if any of you are thinking, hey, I've got a little nest egg in my bank account, we're just letting you know we think a way better investment than just leaving your money there would be to invest in gold and silver. So if you're if you're wanting to do that, please feel free to contact our gold and silver guy. Did we already put it up there, JT? And um, we, we like Steve Merrill. He is absolutely fabulous. He understands the fight. Um, I'll never forget when we had him on the show because he didn't allow people with face masks into his establishment when masks were mandatory. You couldn't even come into his place with a mask. I mean, he's dealing with gold and silver and money and all of that. So he didn't want anybody. He says, you don't have people come in here without a mask. It's like going into the all the banks. You know, we're all going in with the masks on. Usually when, you know, security sees a guy coming into the bank with a mask on, he might suspect there's a problem. And instead, we're all forced to wear the the masks hide our faces. Very interesting. In any case, we urge you to do the right thing, buy your funds, and um, and we only suggest to you what we do ourselves and who we trust ourselves because trust is important in, in issues of, of our finances and our money. All right, so it's been a lot of fun. I want to leave with a scripture that um, I'd like to say again for James. Um, I want James to know we're praying for him in in jail a uh, very sad day for him to be escorted out and to to be going to jail for 10 months 
Um, God help us all. In Psalms 35, it talks about those who go to court. And this is what it says. It says, contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them since they hid their net for me without cause. And this is exactly what Justin Trudeau has done to us. He is, he has literally put a net there. He's hid the net so that we would fall into his traps, freezing bank accounts of innocent Canadians simply standing. Are we violent or are we criminals? No standing up for our country, like Vincent Gersey and Eddie. These men having their bank accounts frozen, you know, and, and people's accounts, some of them, many of them still frozen. What kind of nuttiness is this? And because Ju Justin Trudeau has felt emboldened in his position, he's just doubled down on everything. Now, it seems like once in a while he does a walk back like, oh, we didn't force you, oh, we didn't, you know. You can clearly see that he's been so absolutely tyrannical against the people of Canada. His approval ratings are so low. So we pray that he's removed and removed quickly, even before the end of his term. We pray that something will come up, that he will be caught in the net because this is what it says about when you set a net for your enemy without cause and you you dig a pit for them this is what it says may ruin overtake them by surprise i would like a surprise i would love lord we just ask you for a surprise justice and vindication and a surprise do you know how how fauci said that a surprise attack um, may the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their own ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. We pray that the net that has been set against the people of Canada, many of us God-fearing, justice-loving people, May that net that was set for us actually suddenly be the net that engulfs those. Let's name them. Christia Freeland, Justin Trudeau, Lametti's already gone, right? He was the justice minister. So I hope a net got him. I mean, fair enough to say that. Who else should we have on the list? The entire liberal cabinet, the entire bunch. And dare I say, <clears throat> the bunch in the Conservatives that did not see clearly and have been very late to the table, if there's any that should be out of there, let them be taken out as well. May God do justice. May he cause the net 
that was laid for all of us to suddenly engulf the evil ones. That's my prayer. I hope it's your prayer as well. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.